All right, welcome back, finally, to the third episode of Sports Talk 316. Uh, I'm Brett, alongside my guy Shane here. Uh, Shane, how we doing, man? Uh, too, been too long. It's been way too man, long. It feels like we've recorded 20 of these things, but it's only been two, so yeah. glad to get back here. You know, got some things to talk about. Yeah, lots happened. Uh, you know, to our, to our loyal fan base, all three of you guys, we're really, really thankful uh, for your constant support, you know, it means yeah, a lot. Definitely. And shout out Noah Price giving me a call the other day to ask when I was putting another one out so he could uh, listen to it on his way to work. Well, here you go, Noah. This one's for you. Yeah, man. Uh, ho- hope your commute is made a little shorter. <laughs> we're, we're doing the best we can. But yeah, lots lots to talk about in the world of sports. Um, yeah, just a, a reminder for those of you who are maybe first time listening in. Uh, I know Shane and I love talking about sports and our faith. And here we are doing both of those things. Um, after a long, long layoff. But uh, diving right in, let's do it. Um, we're going to talk a little bit NBA free agency. Um, we, we are not like the biggest you know, NBA guys, but we're going to work with what we got on what we know. Um, but a lot, I, I, I think so far, NBA has been the best offseason that we've seen in a long time for any sport. Um, this, this summer was really just dramatic with how much stuff woge bombs like crazy on twitter um going out so the league looks a lot different than it started um at the beginning of the summer after the uh after the rappers took him to the title uh, anything stand out what do, what do you got on the nba uh, off season i i think you hit it it's been a fun off season for nba fans um even for non-nba fans like myself i like to see stars moving everywhere um, so you, it's kind of what you wish for as an off season. You want to see these dramatic things happen, and um, I don't know. I stars moving. Um, unfortunately, the Knicks missing out on all of them. Um, <laughs> so who knows who they're going to put on the floor next year? Um, but yeah, much to Stephen A's dismay. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I guess question back to you is: Do the Knicks fans boycott and just not show up? You know, if if I were a Knicks fan right now. I mean, I I would strongly consider just changing to a Nets fan. I mean, I I I'm not I'm I'm a I like to think I can be a loyal guy somewhat, but like this is just annoying <laughs> the fact that like the like the the team that you made fun of for so long for being the little brother of the New York team and the only team in the in, in New York that matters is the Knicks. Then the New Jersey Nets move to Brooklyn and then take over every star that you ever wanted for that year. I'd be a little upset. Yeah, I mean what. What was it? It was it was Zion, KD, and Kyrie, and then it was KD and Kyrie. Then it was RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, and Kevin Knox. Those are the <laughs> first three names that I have. But uh, your yeah. boy from Michigan, great summer league. Um, Ignis. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, the European guy coming yeah, back. Yeah. Great summer league. Yeah. He's 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 rocking it, man. He's gonna hold down the fort for him for a little bit. But <laughs> I mean, Julius Randle. It was so funny because the day that KD and Kyrie signed, the Knicks just had to announce their big signing of Julius Randle, and it was just such a slap in the face to the fan base. It was so just unfortunate. I mean, they couldn't help it. They had to sign. They had to like announce, hey, we actually signed somebody to play. But it had to be Julius Randle. But the league, I'm excited personally. I might almost become an NBA fan this year because the Warriors aren't as good. Because they don't have KD, Clay Thompson's out for the year. 
there's actually some parity in the league again. Now that the Raptors kind of beat them. Um, yeah, I'm kind of excited. Who you got, I guess, going into this season? Who's your Who's your NBA Finals champion? We going to see a repeat of the Raptors or what we got? Uh, with Ka- Kawhi gone, not going to re- repeat the Raptors. Good call. Um, but I am going to say somewhat of a cop-out pick. Kind of, probably not the best team in the West, but um, I think they got better. Depending on how they play together, I'm going to go with the Rockets. Um, for two years now, they've been some of the best, one of the best teams in the West. And they added Russell Westbrook, got rid of Chris Paul. Um, I think that's an upgrade, uh, depending on if James Harden and Westbrook can share the ball, which they played together in OKC. So I'm just going to take them. Uh, again, I don't know much, so I'm just going based off who was good last year, who I think got better. And there was a lot of teams that did get better, but uh, I'll go with the Rockets on this one. It's a good call. I mean, I, I like that. I like that for sure. Um, you know, when when I look at these teams um, and the, the off seasons that they had, obviously the Clippers are huge. Getting Kawhi Leonard, they've got a really nice roster over there. Um, the Lakers look a lot different. You know, um, getting rid of Lonzo, getting rid of that headache. Um, still keeping Kyle Kuzma and getting Anthony Davis. Um, thanks to Space Jam 2. Um, I think there's a lot of cool things moving on. I'm going to say this, and I really don't think it's going to happen, and I really don't want it to happen, but for some reason I'm going to say that the 76ers are going to win the NBA title. Don't tell me, I don't know why. Ben Simmons I don't think is very good. Joel Embiid's funny, and he's good. Um, They got Al Horford from the the Celtics. The reason I'm taking the Sixers is because the East is a joke. Um, With the Nets not having KD yet, um, the Bucks are good. But the Sixers, I just for some reason, they might they might surprise some people and and end up playing pretty well, um, and I think they might take home the title. Um, I'm most likely wrong on that, but that's what I got. But here's what I'm really really wanting to focus on here for the NBA. Last thing before we wrap up, um, what will be what are you more excited about this upcoming NBA season or Space Jam Two? Um, yeah, I'm gonna go hard Space Jam Two. Um, you know, I want to see how it compares to the first. Love watching, you know, Michael Jordan get sucked through that little golf hole and wind up in Looney Tunes. You know, I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready to see what the what the storyline is going to be this time. They because they're introducing a lot of stars that a lot of people our age and younger have watched for the past five-ish years, five, six, seven-ish years. So I'm super excited about that. I'm excited to see how they do the storyline. Um, and then, of course, you know, I just want to see the argument continue of who's better, LeBron or Michael Jordan. This time it's going to be whose movie was better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's going to be people who are loyalists for MJ, loyalists for LeBron, just going head-to-head. And I'm excited to see, you know, people scream at each other a little bit. Oh, yeah, it'll be great. I mean, it, Space Jam 2, I would say, I, I, I would put it to, like, I'm like a five out of ten on excitement level. I'm just very, very okay excited for it, and I'm very okay excited for the NBA season. So, I have no answer here. I think they're both going to be adequate. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you put it that and, way. You know, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> it's just like I, I think I watched a total of zero NBA games last year. I can watch a movie. Yeah, um, always so, down for a good movie. So it's like good point. You know, I, even if my excitement is not through the roof for Space Jam Two, it's like. Compared to the NBA, it probably is. Yeah. Uh, you know, so... I get it. I'm with you there. 
yeah, so uh, that was talking basketball. Because <laughs> um, we do our best to try to pretend we know what basketball is like. Um, for those of you who are NBA fans, um, definitely reach out to us if you got some things to say. Um, um, learn us real good because we don't know what we're talking Constructive about. Constructive criticism. Don't just tell us we're terrible. Yeah. Um, and we do apologize for our first three podcasts where the NBA, we have no idea what we're talking about. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We're very sensitive, so don't be too mean. Um, and moving on to the sport we do like and talking about, um, it's the Major League Baseball season. Um, it's kind of the star of the show at the moment now that the NBA free agency has died down. Um, NFL training camp's coming around the corner, so that might start taking a little bit more um, as we're talking about that. But, uh, yeah, uh, MLB trade deadline looming. I think it's nine days away, into this month. Only one trade deadline this year. Um, so the this 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 year is the first year with uh, only the the non trade non waiver trade deadline and the waiver trade deadline are the same day. So it used to be you could the trade deadline was July thirty first, and then there was another one in August, the end of August, where you can pass people through waivers. This is no longer a thing. I think it adds a lot of excitement to the actual deadline because it's an all or nothing thing. You got to go for it, or you don't. Um, so moving into that space, who you got is some. Who who is your contenders, pretenders discussion here? Um, teams have to make up their minds on what they think they are, and are they going to be buyers or sellers? Who, as of right now, do you think is a pretender? Someone who may be there in the standings, but won't be at the end of the year because you don't think they're good enough. Um, I think they're good enough uh, to an extent. Um, my pretender is going to be the Minnesota Twins, probably a popular pick as of late, just due to the Indians just going all at it. They're, they were down like, what, 12 games at one point. They're back within three. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the Twins are a pretender at the moment, and this could change in 10 days or whatever, nine days, um, because... I just don't think their pitching can carry them. Um, when you get down that stretch, you need to have consistent pitching because, you know, you're going to be facing good teams here and there. You, you can't rely on your hitting like you've done all year. Um, you could go out ice cold. for You, you could have your number one hitter going to slump. Um, so I, I think uh, they need to make a move at the deadline to be a contender, and I think it is they need us. A starting pitcher. Um, they have some serviceable guys. Uh, Barrios is obviously extremely serviceable. He's an ace. Um, you have Jake Odorizzi, uh, Martin Perez, Kyle Gibson. Michael Pineda. And Michael Pineda. Um, Pineda is just eh for me. But if you add another one one to three starter, I think that rotation looks really good heading into October. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we all know their lineup mashes. So, um, like I said, need a frontline start, especially to compete with your division rival in the Indians. I mm-hmm. think they have a very good starting rotation, and it's probably going to get better with the addition of Kluber again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's coming back. Um, and then Salazar, who I probably wouldn't be in their starting rotation, I don't think, um, but he looked really good in his last start six and a third like one run like six k's no walks or something like that so i i think uh, i think they need to add a starting pitcher yeah that's a good pick i think that that's going to be one of the more interesting because that's a obviously a two-team race there's no one else in the division even close that's one of the few i think divisions where it's going to come down to those like head-to-head two-team matchups so a lot of these divisions are really packed 
with two or three at the top or one way at the top and then the others by a lunch for the wild card. Mm. I think that's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, team I got as a pretender is the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, this is a team that made it to the NLCS last year. They were a game away from the World Series. They were a really, really good team. Um, and they brought pretty much everybody back. They added Yasmani Grandal in the offseason. They signed, re-signed Mike Moustakis. They've got a lot of the core of the same team back. Problem is, however, though, they still don't have pitching just like they did a year ago. Yeah, Their bullpen carried them through the entire season last year with Josh Hader not giving up a run for probably six months. Um, Corey Knable was up and down last year. Jeremy Jeffers was great last year for them. Um, a lot of pitchers who were awesome in the bullpen that carried them with no starting pitching. And this year is the same story, but the bullpen's a little bit worse. And, you know, the, the NL Central is really, really weird and tight right now with how it's laid out. The Cubs are good. The Cardinals are doing all right. Um, the way that I see the Brewers right now, they have currently on the injured list seven pitchers um, who are out, two of which are out for the season, uh, three of which are out for the season. Um, and then Brandon Woodruff, their best pitcher so far this season, just went on the injured list yesterday with some abdominal discomfort. Hopefully um, for him it's not an, like an oblique injury that could cause him some problems. So um, the Milwaukee Brewers also have a negative run differential on the year. Which, again, not everything, but that's a pretty good depiction on how your team's played versus your opponents. Um, they're two games back of the Cubs. They're in the wild card position right now. Um, I just don't see them down the stretch being able to maintain um, pushes from other teams like the Cardinals or the even the Diamondbacks or the Giants. Um, but more importantly, the Washington and the Philadelphia, I think, will overtake the Brewers. Um, so... This is the second year in a row where they've had an amazing lineup and no pitching. We'll see what happens at the deadline if they can do it again. Um, but moving on from the bad news bears, who we got as a contender? Maybe a surprise contender or someone you think that will um, make it into the postseason this year? Um, gonna go with the popular pick again, just because of your popular guy, Shane. There aren't really, I would consider contenders. It's like when you look at the standings, you have guys that are like, oh yeah, they. The Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros. You're like, oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna win a division. And then you have teams like kind of uh, in the middle. Um, and this team was one that was terrible to start the year. Bottom of the division, everyone's like, okay, what's going on? Like, sell everybody. Um, not so fast. Uh, the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew their rotation was really good. Top three. The top three is in. Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, uh, I would put them up against anybody, mm-hmm. and they would have a fight. Um, so I'm going to call them a contender. They do need help, and their bullpen especially, they need some, some help. Um, they have do little closing out games. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see if they made a move for a bullpen arm. And other than that, I think they're a solid team through and through. Um, I think they can compete, and like I said, their their pitching staff is really going to hold them in games. So we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward, but I definitely think they're a contender. And they could even chase the Braves for the division come come the stretch. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Braves were, I mean, obviously looking really, really, really good, but um, yeah, the Nationals have a makings of a really strong team to get to the postseason, but I think they're, they're best laid out for postseason baseball with those three starters yeah, at the top. I, I think that's why they really went after Corbin is because they needed those three starters. I, I mean, they haven't won a playoff series. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that's probably what they've been hearing, you know. Mm-hmm. You guys haven't won a playoff series. So they went with a formula that 
a lot of teams go with in the postseason. That's like, hey, let's get our pitchers and they'll carry us. So now it's just them getting there. Yep. Because um, even a wild card, I'm taking Scherzer over anybody. Anybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so definitely love that pick. Um, I think that's a really, really good pick. And, uh, you know, the, the team I'm picking for a contender um, was a team that surprised pretty much the whole world last year and made it to a wild card with 90 plus wins. Um, this year off to a slower start was uh, the Oakland A's. Uh, they got off to a really slow start and kind of got discounted. Um, they were under 500 through May. I mean, they weren't looking very good. Um, team of a roster that isn't going to jump out the page being as a playoff team, but they play really well. They play really good baseball together. Um, they've got a plus 97 run differential compared to the negative four. We just talked about the Brewers. Um, that's a huge number. That's actually third, fourth in the American League behind all the other division leaders. Um, they're currently slotted in a wild card spot. Um, the trick with them is they're competing with the likes of the Tampa Bay Rays and the Boston Red Sox mm-hmm. for that last wild card spot and the Cleveland Indians. Those four teams, there's only two available. Um, so those are going to be that's going to be a, a dogfight for them. Um, but something I really like about the Oakland A's um, is just their uh, – their ability to just hit up and down the line. they got depth in their lineup, I think. Um, they've got a lot of guys that put the ball in play, which is fun to see. Um, but they also have a lot of guys coming off the injured list. A lot of pitchers that weren't with them for the majority of the year. Sean Manaya being their ace, um, coming back. Uh, he's in rehab assignments right now. Um, Jarrell Cotton, I think I'm, I don't know his first name. I think it's something like that. Is it Jarrell? Jarrell Cotton? Uh, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but that sounds Jarrell right. sounds about right. That sounds good. Sorry about that. If you're <laughs> listening, Mr. Cotton. Uh, <laughs> that'd be that's not a thing. Um, but he, he's he's looking better in Triple A's. He's getting his work done. Um, they did lose Frankie Montas, who was, at that time was their ace for the year for PED suspension. Um, I think he can come back in September, but won't be able to pitch in the playoffs. Pitch in the playoffs. So he could help them get there with the bull, as a bullpen arm, maybe. Um, so we'll see. They're an interesting team to watch. Um, they've got a, uh, again a good lineup. Stephen Piscotty's coming back from the injured list as well. Nick Hundley, a nice backup catcher. Um, they've got some pieces in place that I think they may be another surprise to look up, and they'll be there at the end of the year. Yeah, um, and it's funny that you called them a contender because they were actually on my list as a pretender. You know, just because. Their pitching staff, I don't really is, uh, I don't think is that great. They've been uh-huh. having good years. They, you know, uh, Mike Fires with a three seven or whatever, mm-hmm. Brett Anderson with a three eight, or you know, they, they've been having good years. So I can definitely see them be like borderline. I can see you going towards the contender Wilders go towards pretender. So mm-hmm. I think it's a great pick. Yeah, yeah, and their bullpen's been outstanding. Liam Hendricks has been phenomenal for them. They still got Blake Trinan, Ryan Buckter's pretty good. Um, Luke Trevino has been yeah. nasty for mm-hmm. them, an all-star. So, yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see what they look like. It, it's not, like I said, it's not the names that's going to be, like, making them good. It's just they play well. They're playing some Billy Bean baseball, yeah. um, a little money ball. So um, a lot of these teams may change within this 10-day period before the trade deadline um, where teams are looking to make moves uh, throughout the league. So you're looking around at some teams that need help. Um, teams that you, you think would be – it's always fun to play fake GM, you know, fantasy team GM over here. Um, I'm great at MLB The Show, fake GM. Oh, franchise yeah. mode. Yeah, yeah, you can ask Brent Shannon yeah. about that. You know, I know he, I know he loved your, your moves in the offseason for the Pirates. But uh, something that uh, – if, if, you're, if you're a GM of a team right now and you're looking at your roster, what is, a te- what is a deal that you're just like, this needs to happen, this needs to get done, it makes too much sense not to, 
What's your deal that should happen before the July 31st deadline? So a name that's been on the trade block is Trey Mancini. Um, young guy, 27, from the Orioles, under club control until 2023, I think, if my the internet was right, which you believe everything you see on the internet. It's definitely right. 100% he, checks out. He's pre-ARB, so he's making $575,000 this year. Um, I think he needs to go to the Indians. The Indians needed outfield help at the beginning of this year, and they continue to need outfield help now, especially if they're back in the race three games out. Jose Ramirez starting to catch fire again, which they needed all year. So now it's time to take your starting pitching, your pretty good bullpen, and add another bat that can come in and play the outfield for you guys, a team, a position of need. And he's also young and under control until 2023. I mean, they could go get a rental, um, but at the end of the day, I mean, if you're looking to build further um, because you, you have a young pitching staff that could – you have a core that could stay around. You could lose a few guys, but you still have a core that could stay around. You can build around them with another young outfield outfielder that can be a mainstay. Um, you know, I mean, he's not hitting 40 bombs for you, but he's 20-some bombs, almost 50 RBIs, and 270 batting average. So mm-hmm. I definitely think he could boost the Indians to where they could definitely take that division from the Twins. Yeah, I love that. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the Twins have, or the, the Indians have needed – outfield help for yeah pretty much two years um and especially with the loss of uh michael brantley in the offseason i love that deal for them um still think they should have signed adam jones in the offseason still a dumb i'm still mad at their ownership for not doing that um but yeah i think i think that makes a lot of sense trey mancini for them um a deal that i have i i have a deal with a, a little a little two-player deal from the tigers um obviously the tigers not having a fantastic year they're playing pretty decent ball though with you know ron gardenheider up there in detroit um, I got them trading uh, one of their bigger pieces, uh, Nick Castellanos, and a guy who's been fantastic for them, Shane Green. I had them trading uh, both of those pieces down to Tampa Bay um, for for the Rays playoff push. And you know when when I look at the when I look at the Rays, they need just they they're not gonna trade your big name guy. They're not gonna go make a big splash move in the off season for a big trade. That's not how they operate. They operate under budget. They only get like six thousand fans a night. They got to deal with what they got. I understand. Um, so this is kind of a deal that I think makes sense for them, where they need bullpen help first and foremost. Um, Jose Alvarado's kind of stepping down a little bit. Diego Castillo's had a bad month for them in the bullpen. Um, they need, and, and it's it showed since the beginning of June they've been playing under under 500 baseball. Yeah. Um, so they need a shot in the arm um, uh, in that way. Nick, Nick Nicholas Castellanos, corner outfield, third base, DH kind of guy, um, can plug and play at a lot of positions, and it'd be a nice right-handed bat complement for them. Um, you know, alongside Tommy Pham. And I, I think it just makes a lot of sense. Cassianos wants desperately wants out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been on the record saying, my numbers suck because I play in Detroit and Comerica Park and they're 420 to dead center field. Um, not sure if that's entirely true. He's hitting 284 on the year, um, driven in 36 with 11 bombs. So he's been all right. Um, in his career, he's, uh, you know, he's averaged about 275. He's, he's had some pretty good years for them. And he's, a, he's a typical 20 homer guy. Um, driven in 100 runs before, I think he'd be a nice addition to them. Um, and, and I look at the Rays. You're in a position where Boston's on a down year where they're not going to win 100 games. Um, New York's obviously playing really well, but they're not as good as they will be in the future. Um, if I'm Tampa Bay, I step on the gas whenever I see an opportunity, and this would be a way within their realm and within their means to be able to do so. So that's a deal I've got. 
um, that has to be made. Now we get to play a little dreamer here. Um, what do you got as like a deal that would just be really cool to see? Man, it probably won't happen, but like you think should because it'd be fun. Uh, you know, I was a pitcher my entire life. I love watching pitchers. Um, it pains me to watch a pitcher from my beloved Pirates go to this team and just absolutely dominate, throw 107 on his 114th pitch. <laughs> but I want to. I think it'd be so much fun to see Noah Syndergaard go to the Astros. Why? Just because you, you would have a top three of Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Noah Syndergaard, two of those guys who can consistently throw 100 miles an hour. Justin Verlander is pretty close, but more dominant. He's only, he's only, he only throws 97. Yeah, he it's only throws 97 slow. with a nasty slider and better than both of those. You got to keep your weight back yeah. on him. Yeah. So you know, I just think that'd be a lot of fun because they've taken guys that can throw hard and made them into more pitchers than throwers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what kind of what Syndergaard needs. He's a very good thrower, and he's a good pitcher. But I think if you get him with the same staff that took Garrett Cole and made him into an elite pitcher, you took uh, the same staff that took Charlie Morton and turned him into a 99-mile-per-hour ace, mm-hmm. um, I think if you take a young Noah Syndergaard and give it to uh, the Astros pitching staff and just let him go crazy, I think that would be a lot of fun to watch going into October and seeing those three guys like – Chuck it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, and, and and with guys like Lance McCullers being out for the year, um, Colin McHugh's been okay. Brad Peacock's a little injured. Like, there's there's a lot of arms there that – and they've got some prospects that are good, but they're probably not ready. Mm-hmm. If you want to solidify your chance – I mean, they won a World Series two years ago, got disappointed last year when they got swept or out of the postseason by the Indians, I believe, right? I don't remember. I actually, whatever. I know they lost. Uh, they didn't make it to the NLCS or the LCS. But I think uh, Noah Syndergaard would be awesome for them. Um, logistically, but also it'd be really cool because they'd have guys that just throw absolute just, gas. Just get a full pitching staff that can throw 99 miles an hour. Yes, pretty much. And just see what happens. It would be but sweet. then you have Wade Miley, so uh, you know <laughs> who's been really good for them. Yeah, but... he's, he's, he's been awesome, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Um, so my deal for, you know, this would be cool to see, um, would help out the Atlanta Braves, team that's been really good this year, won the division last year, and they're coming back and trying to make a statement, win it back-to-back years. Um, they need help in the bullpen, and they also could use another starter. I love Madison Bumgarner and Will Smith from the Giants to the Braves. Um, the Braves, Mike, Mike Soroka has been incredible oh, for them. Gross. Um, Kevin Gosman's got an ERA over five, even though he threw well yesterday. Mm-hmm. Keiko was a good sign for them. Tehran is pretty solid. He's, he's, you know what you're going to get with him. Um, I think another arm to go with like a Newcomb that could come back into the rotation, maybe in the pen, floating piece. Um, with Bumgarner would just solidify, here's our game one postseason guy. We're getting the best postseason pitcher alive and putting him on our team and seeing what we got. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Will Smith has been incredible for the Giants this, uh, this season. And I mean, the Braves have needed bullpen help. Luke Jackson's done a pretty good job as their, that kind of like piece part closer. But they they do not want to run out into the postseason with that as their bullpen Absolutely. right now. I mean, Rolos Viscaino wasn't a great closer to begin the year, and he got out for the year. He's hurt. Yeah. So... Um, I think that would be a good deal for them. The question is, you know, whether the Giants are going to actually be sellers. I think they'd be stupid not to with the roster they have. Um, they've kind of gotten hot as of late, back to 500. Um, so we'll see what um, what I, I can't remember their new GM's name. Um, we'll, we'll end up doing for that. Z. Kevin something. Yeah, starts with a Z. But no, I totally agree. I think it'd be so much fun. Who doesn't want to see Mad Bum post postseason? You know, he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, 
I mean, you can even take it a step further and just make it a really big blockbuster and just send Tony Watson over there too. You know, mm. just just take them both. Take Mad Bum, solidify your rotation, your bullpen, and everything. But no, that'd be a lot of fun to watch, and I think it'd be exciting for the Braves, a team that a different team that we haven't seen before, besides last year, come up and you know try to try to take the NL pennant. Yeah, I love that. Um, it, it it'll be a lot of fun to see uh, see what happens in the next. You know, I guess two to three weeks um you know what what kind of what teams do and how they uh how they can improve their teams so uh yeah uh, and, and just a quick mention um there's not too much to talk about with it but uh the hall of fame induction ceremony taking place um i think just yesterday is the time we're recording it for um with mariana rivera roy holiday edgar martinez lee smith harold baines and I don't even remember the, the last one. Uh, <laughs> who made it in? I'm, I'm missing one. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. That's all good. I don't um, think anyone else was either. <laughs> I was looking up for our uh, for our next segment, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Pretty much that's the main theme. I don't think – the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies, look, they're great. They're emotional. There's a lot of great stuff that happens for pride of team, uh, country, especially with like the Dominicans mm-hmm. and, and then like with Roy Halladay after his, his tragic his death and his wife coming up to make a speech. Mm-hmm was fantastic. Mariano Rivera, the first fully um, unanimous selection into yes. the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well-deserved there. Um, not the most exciting thing to watch. It's a long time, but it's a great thing. Um, if you have a chance to go to Cooperstown, do it. Highly It's amazing. It. Yeah. Um, really cool little town. So that's pretty much about it for the for the Hall of Fame induction. Um, again, we'll come back and hopefully make another podcast, not within the next six months, or not, not after six months of waiting or whatever, to talk a little bit more about what the trades looked like and what kind of impact we have for down-the-stretch runs. Um, real quick, um, this wasn't totally planned, but it kind of is now. Um, wanted to touch on NFL. Madden ratings came out. Now, I haven't bought a Madden game in a couple years. Loved it as a kid. I was a big NCAA football guy, as we've known on the last podcast. But um, love love when Madden ratings come out, and then players take to like how they <laughs> think they should have been rated. I think it's hysterical to see like how they think they match up with like some of their other people. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, the number one rated quarterback over Tom Brady at a 97. Um, so that, that's kind of an interesting spot there. Uh, we got 499 overalls, I think, listed. Um, so some interesting, anything stand out with Madden ratings? What's your, do, are you even going to get the game this year? What are, you, what are kind of your thoughts? Um, I don't think I'll get the game. I don't play that many video games to begin with. MLB is kind of like my pride and joy at the moment. You know, mm. that's... I play. I squat up with the boys every once in a while on Fortnite still, just to hang out with our with Corey and Dylan. Oh yeah, virtually. So, um, <laughs> you know, Madden just doesn't really do it for me. Um, it's fun when you're with like a group of guys and you try to play with four people and you can laugh at each other and your mistakes and oh, everything. Oh, there are some bad ones there. Or like if you're just with one other person, you do like a joint season. Um, you can have some fun there. So I probably won't get the game. But I have to say, I saw a lot of people upset with the DeAndre Hopkins ninety nine overall. Because, you know, you have wide receivers such as Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, guys like that who, Odell Beckham, guys like that who are like, oh, he should be a 99 because he's flashy. But, like, then I saw the stat that DeAndre Hopkins didn't have one drop last year. Yep. Zero for an entire year. I mean, come on now. He's If he's not a 99, he's a 98. So yeah. zero drops pushes them into the 99 for me. Like, that's a great pick. Um 
He's been incredible. Yeah. Other than that, Patrick Mahomes, 97. Uh, sure. Why yeah. not? He's incredible. Yeah. So. One surprise. I, I Matthew Stafford at a 79. Seems a little low. He's below Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, and Marcus Mariota, and Kirk Cousins. Um, Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz at 82s with Baker Mayfield jumping them in an 83. Um, that's a little interesting. Um, ben Roethlisberger's still an 85 somehow. Uh, I mean... So there, there's some interesting things within the ratings. I just love, if you haven't looked up, just look up people's reactions to Madden <laughs> ratings, especially rookies, what they think they're going to get. Um, I always think it's funny. Kyler Murray, the number one overall pick, um, is a 73 with Dwayne Haskins right behind him at a 72 overall. Kyler Murray's a 91 speed, which um, that'll play. That would, would be fun. That would be fun to play with. What do you think about Drew Brees being a 92? Do you think he, do you think he deserves to be higher with the more elite quarterbacks? Or do you think he, he's right where he is? Because I know he's... Puts up fantastic numbers every year. Yeah, I would have him above Philip Rivers. I think, I think ninety two is fair for an overall rating, but I don't think that Philip Rivers is a better quarterback than Drew Brees, and I, I don't know why that's a thing. I agree. Um, Philip Rivers is great. He's got a great accurate arm. I think Drew Brees is better. He's an all timer. Philip Rivers is just below that level. Um, so, that's pretty much that's pretty much my thoughts there. Um, that's about all I got on the old. Uh, Madden ratings. Um, Moving on to a new segment. Um, Super excited about this one. We're hopefully going to bring it back. We're hopefully going to start more segments. We've got two back-to-back here, and then we'll wrap up um, with some scripture. But uh, this segment, Obscure Sports. Um, Now, I came across this with one of my favorite follows on Twitter, um, John Boy Media, who does breakdowns of basically players arguing with umpires and lip-reads them. It's hysterical. Check him out. Um, He tweeted... That he does fun sport Fridays, so this is, might be a knockoff. We're gonna just roll with it. He's not gonna sue us because we have thirty viewers. We're fine. Um, so <laughs> that being said, obscure sport of the day, buzkashi. Yes, buzkashi, the national sport of Afghanistan, um, takes place on a field almost the size of a soccer field. Um, Shane, you want to take a stab at describing buzkashi for us? Oh man, I would love to take a stab at this. So, Buzkashi is polo meets water polo, and the ball is a dead goat carcass <laughs> with its head and legs cut off. Just riding around on horses, grabbing a dead goat, and trying to throw it in this pool, I guess. It's like a big... It's just like hole. Yeah, it's like <laughs> a big hole, and like you watch the video, and these guys are flying off their horses trying to get this goat carcass into this... Hole. <laughs> it's absolutely hysterical. The games last like there's two 45 minute halves. It says the game can last up to two days of riding around on a horse looking I mean, for a goat carcass. I mean, they can last that long because the horse is doing all the work. You're just diving at a goat carcass. It looks terrible. Yeah, I mean, how those guys not get hurt? It looked like a stone hole almost. That they're they're just yeah. giving their bodies in with a. Goat carcass. They're riding horses full speed carrying a 90-pound goat carcass, and they dive off the horse with the goat into the hole themselves. Sometimes they miss at the rim, and they're, like, just shouldered in it. Oh, and then, like, they use the horses to set screens and all sorts of things while they grab the goat and run. And the best part is still, I don't understand why they cut the head off the goat. Yeah. Is it that much? Is the goat head that heavy? Is that the, is it like a balance thing? I want to know what made them think we need to cut the head and feet off the yeah, goat. Yeah, I, I don't know if it makes it too easy, if you can just grab a leg or something, and if you have to actually like grab the body, but like... Could you imagine a sport where you just play with a dead animal carcass? That That's your ball. Can we not afford a ball? Like... 
I don't know. How how did it get started? I I, I read the you read the uh it was because they used to steal goats. Yeah, and... like other tribes would grab goats and then run away on horseback and they would chase them down. And so thus the sport began. I, I don't know. That I really would love to know the more. That, this should be an Olympic sport. Yeah. The world needs to see this because <laughs> yeah. it's hysterical. More, more people need to participate in this. I think we should bring it to America and see how it takes off, you know? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a goat carcass. Maybe yeah. like a calf. I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like a doe? I, I just, I mean, look, at, drive down I-75 here and see if you can, or I-71 and see if we can pick up some deer on the side of the road, some roadkill. Yeah. Make it, make a sport. Yeah, absolutely. Or we can go even smaller. Let's get a rabbit. See how that changes things. Yeah, you can and throw you it can to each other. It. Ooh, yeah. now, now we're talking. Yeah. And we got to name it something more fancy than Buzkashi, but I think we're on the right track. Yeah, I think, check us out here in a year for the new rabbit carcass game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. And that was the first ever installment of Obscure Sports. Uh, looking forward to the more more in-depth conversations about sports like that. Um, yeah, wrapping up here, This Day in Sports History, another uh, segment we're going to start up here where we look back on the greatest accomplishments in sports on the days that we record this podcast. Maybe not the day you listen to it, but you, know, you can look that up on your own. Uh, July 22nd is the day we are going on recording. Um, this day in sports history, uh, the first one we have is from 1923. Um, Walter, the big train, Johnson, uh, one of the most famous pitchers of all time back in the early 1900s. In 1923, he was the first ever pitcher to strike out 3,000 hitters in a career. Um, and back then, these pitchers would throw the entire game pretty much no matter what and would pitch like two or three times a week. It's basically yeah. like softball pitchers are now, like women's softball, where they throw all the time. Um, you know, they used to, they would pitch forever. Yeah. All the um, time. They would rack up 500 some innings a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, just incredible stuff. Um, but 3000 strikeouts. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a career. Yeah. And, and he made a name for himself. He's one of the all time greats, um, from that era. Um, and then the second installment of this day in sports history, 2005, some good news for the NHL. They lockout was ended. On a thirty to none um, positive vote there from the ownership um, and the, the players' association, they're agreeing on a new collective bargaining agreement to reinstall the NHL after that lockout. Um, hoping, I mean, lockout talk kind of always happens around mm-hmm. the time collective collective bargaining agreements end. Yep. Um, they're talking a little bit about a little worry about baseball in the next two to three years when that bargaining agreement ends. Um, hopefully, they can keep everything on track because. That's no one wants to see that. No one wants no. to see things get to that. So that's a good day for the sports, um, for sports uh, to be able to have that come back, have a have a major sport come back to life. Yeah. Um, did the NHL have two lockouts? D- did they have one in the nineties? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't remember. I can't remember. But this one was definitely in two thousand five is when it ended. I think it was I don't know how many months September to July. They canceled the entire two thousand four season. Okay, there we go. And then there was one in 2012 and 13, which canceled the beginning of beginning. that season. Yeah, so and I we thought played, it was a half. Yep. Yeah, it was about a half a year. So they had another one. So they've had a lot of issues in the past. Um, hopefully they can continue working out. Because the NHL, I mean, I, we'll talk about it in an upcoming segment, in an upcoming uh, um, podcast segment. But the, the, the attendance may not be um, drawing as well as it, it seems, um, even though the, the, I think the popularity of the sport is doing a little bit better. Um, so yeah, now, um, as we, we wrap up our sports talk segment, um, love to dive in a little bit to a little bit of scripture, um, and a passage that, that we really like, um, it's really popular, um, for good reason, cause it's got a lot of good truth in there. Um, Shane, if you, if you don't mind reading us a little bit, talk us a little bit about what you think. 
Yeah, um, definitely. It's definitely one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, just because, like you said, there's just so much good stuff in this. Um, so I'm just going to read a real short part of it. Uh, Romans 8, I'm going to start in verse 1 and go to verse 4. Um, but again, it's so much good stuff that we could keep talking, but here we go. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of of sinful flesh to be a sin offering and so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit wow good stuff four mm. powerful verses there um and i think it kind of goes along with if everyone can remember back to our second podcast we talked about ephesians 2 and it it talked about like we were dead in our transgressions. And um, this one is just, for those in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Um, we are fully saved when we, when we have, when we come to Jesus, we are fully saved. And I think it really shows that there's really only one way that, that, that it could happen. And it is Jesus. Like, you know, it says God did this. Um, the law is powerless to do when God did this by sending his son. Um, and I just think that's so important to know is that like, you know, when we do come to Jesus, like we need to be living by the spirit and then there is no condemnation for those who live in Christ Jesus. Um, and you know, I think that's, can be hard to grasp sometimes because our past is always wanting to get in our heads and mm -hmm. show us that we're not good enough. And, but it's just an always powerful verse to come back to and let you know, like, Hey, you're forgiven there's no condemnation if you if you live with me mm -hmm. so yeah I, lo I love this passage and one of my favorite things is, is in verse two is like the the like because through christ jesus the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death um you know we all have messed up and and and, and fallen away from living in perfection no none of us claim or even think that we're perfect or good enough um, and we didn't met, meet the standard um, of perfection, mm. but now we are free from those inequities, those things that light, made us short, um, that made us fall short, where we have all fallen short of the glory of God, as it says earlier in Romans, that um, we now get to live freely because we have, n and we are not condemned based on our actions from the past, but we have been saved by the blood of Christ. Um, and it's just, it's just so amazing and freeing. I think sometimes we can get, no matter where you're at with your faith or with, with Jesus or anything like that, we can get kind of lost from this truth that we are like, we need to celebrate this daily that we are saved forever because of what Jesus did on the cross. And we didn't deserve it, but we are free from sin and death. And I don't think we grasp that a lot of times, mm -hmm. how heavy and awesome that is um, to be free from the power of sin and free from its consequence. Um, and so that's just, that's just something that I, I think I need to preach to myself daily. And I feel I find myself when I do preach to myself to this daily, my day just seems to be not better, but just like it just everything is just like in perspective and it's where it should be. And yeah, I don't know if you feel the same way. Oh, uh, no, it, I absolutely do. I think some of the best advice that I, you know, I've I received is that you should be preaching the gospel to yourself daily mm -hmm. and like 
do I do that every day? Absolutely not. I, I wish I did. Yeah. I, I really do. Because like you said, it, it does make that change. Like whenever you realize the power of what Jesus did on the cross, like your day is so much better. You, you have a joy and a peace that cannot come from like playing video games for 13 hours a day to relieve stress or anything like that. So mm-hmm. it, it just preaching the gospel to yourself daily is just an incredible way to help your day just move forward and to help get your mind right yeah. um you know it says right at the end of there again it says um we live by the spirit um and not a, not according to flesh and like that is a phenomenal way to get your mind right to live by the spirit and not by the flesh is to preach yourself preach the gospel to yourself right and the fruits of the spirit later on in the bible you know just are so awesome just gentleness patience self-control all these things that we're trying to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and do on our own are the fruits of living by the spirit. Mm -hmm. And we get to be people that we all, we all want to be those people. Um, and so we get, um, just to experience that when we are living by the spirit and yeah, like, I just want to reiterate too, like wherever you're at with this, like just know that there's, um, that God loves you so much that he sent his son to do this for you. And, um, we just, we'd love talking about this stuff. Um, we'd love to, if, if, if you are feeling like you have questions about this, please reach out to us. Like, we'd love to talk about this. This is something that means the world to us, um, because of these awesome truths that changed our lives. Yeah. Um, we live, <laughs> we're not perfect, but our lives are marked by Jesus and it's so freeing, um, to be free from the law of sin and death. So, yeah, no, I, I think you hit that on the head that just a constant reminder of how much Jesus loves us and how God took that first step to reconcile with us, to come, come start a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I mean, if anybody has questions about what we talk about, always feel free to reach out because we would love to talk about it um, one-on-one um, to, or anything like that. So, um, yeah, and I encourage you guys to read Romans 8, if, if not just the first verses, but definitely all of it. I think it's an incredible chapter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. For those of you who have hung out for the whole 45 minutes here, we really appreciate that. Um, yeah, hoping to not take as long in between the next two next recording. Um, we had a lot of stuff go on in between um, the last two, so I'm glad to get back and doing this. Um, really appreciate you guys listening. Um, and again, just uh, we'll let you know. We'll, we'll be out. Follow us on Twitter if you want or whatever. We're on Twitter, Spotify. I think we're on Apple Podcasts, wherever you find us. Yeah. Give us a listen. Um, and until next time, we'll, we'll see you then. Yeah, see you next time.